that each one of us can walk into this room and each be in a different place. Yet he can meet each one of us where we're at. You don't have to jump through any hoops to encounter Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that you come and you meet each one. And that you transform us. And that though you meet us where we're at, you never, you never leave us as we are. You always call us up. And we thank you that looks like freedom. looks like chains being undone. It looks like restoration. It looks like forgiveness. It looks like the truth setting us free. And we thank you. You're going to do a mighty work here tonight, Lord. We thank you that who the sun sets free is free indeed. We thank you for each person here, each family here. We ask you to bless and protect them. Lord, we thank you for our leaders. We lift them up to you. We thank you that you unite us all together to spur one another on in love and good works. We honour them and we thank you for them. And we thank you for everything you're going to do tonight, Lord. We're eager. We're expectant to hear from you. And we thank you that your word is for everyone. That there isn't one person that is disqualified from hearing and being changed by your word tonight. It's for every one of us. And we receive it. We receive it tonight. Everyone said, Amen. Amen. Let's give Jesus a hand. Amen. Well, welcome everyone. <clears throat> welcome to anyone who's visiting us. Maybe it's your first or your second time. Special welcome to you. And, uh, just before we unleash Pastor Tony, just a couple of announcements. So the kids are leaving the room uh, for the kids program, which is for kids four and up. So if they're three and under, they, they're going to have to stay with you in the service. Uh, you're welcome to sit up the back or even outside in the foyer. Uh, just that whilst we're worshipping, if you could just make note of this, please don't drop the kids off before or during worship because the room isn't supervised at that time. So they're welcome to obviously go in there as soon as worship's over. That's when the door will open. Apparently there was a wrestling match in there during worship, unsupervised. And as you know, we always need a referee 
during a wrestling match. So please make sure <laughs> they're in here during worship. And uh, also we have a, we, there's another church service uh, downstairs and they're still running as we finish up here. So as you leave, just be mindful to keep the volume down just so we don't disturb them. And um, who's excited to hear from Pastor Tony tonight? Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> Paul says, you know, whether um, he plants or Apollo waters, that God gives the increase. Um, so we're thankful that we've got amazing pastors who plant and water and do so so incredibly well and bless us every week. And we thank, it, we thank God that he gives the increase um, but why don't we honour Pastor Tony as he comes up to bring the word tonight. Off. Welcome everyone. I don't bite, so there's seats up here if you want seats, girls. Um, welcome, my name is Pastor Tony. I'm uh, leading you tonight um, in the word of God. So who's, who's excited about hearing what the Lord's got to say? Yeah? Yeah? No point in me coming with my word, and it's not going to change your life. But a word from the Holy Spirit always changes your life. Amen? There's Luca. Hey, buddy. That's me. I'm Tony. Yeah, I'm Tony. You know, last week we spoke about um, Moses knowing the ways of God, and the people of Israel knew the acts of God. And what we, we discussed that Moses knew God's character and God's, the way God does things. In a personal way, the Bible says that Moses met with God face to face in the, tabern in the tent of tabernacles and got instructions. But the children of Israel saw the acts of God and didn't have that type of relationship with God. And there's a few times that God wanted to wipe them off the planet because of their disobedience and their unbelief and their complaining and murmuring. And we discussed about how. Moses said that I'd rather be in the desert in your presence than be in a promised land without you. Because God had said, I'll send an angel before you. And isn't it interesting that sometimes we as believers want the things of God because we always got a need and, and we, we all have a need. Um, everyone's going through situations and circumstances in your life. So that having a, a need and asking God for that need is not wrong. But if all I ever want to do is come to you and get something from you and never spend time with you, that's called abuse. And God's not like that. God wants to be known. He says, anyone who seeks after me shall find me. Amen? God's not hiding everywhere in heaven. Religion has told you. God's all the way in heaven and he's got a big stick ready to whack you every time you sin. But God isn't like that. Especially now, New Testament believers, we know that Christ came. The Son of God, become the Son of Man, so the sons of men and daughters can become the children of God. He came down to us so he can take us up to him, amen. Religion is trying to get to God, but God came to us, amen, through his love and mercy. So, and we spoke about all these things, and, and today I want to talk to you about a different spirit. And we're, we're probably going to continue on a little bit, it wasn't my <clears throat> plan, but that's where the Lord led me, about having a different spirit. Everyone say a different spirit. So you can have the spirit of the world. You can come to church, clock in, pray, give your money and go home, light a candle, say a prayer, whatever. But you go back into that world and you become like that world. 
be the spirit of the world is not the spirit of Christ. Amen. The spirit of Christ in you is the hope of glory. The spirit of Christ in you is peace. The Bible says that the kingdom of God is not food or drink, but it's righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So we are blessed in these New Testament believers that Christ has come. Christ has went to the cross for us. Paul says, I know nothing among you except Jesus Christ in him, crucified. See, everything comes from the cross. It's not my good deeds. It's not any of these things that we can get. It's through the blood of Jesus, amen? And we're coming into a heretic time where people are going to remove the cross and remove the blood and say, yes, you're a good person. You're a good philosopher. You know, all roads lead to God. No, no, no. Christ came and died for one purpose, to redeem man back to the Father. No one comes to the Father except through me, Jesus said. Nothing's going to change. We may change, but the gospel does not change. God does not change. Amen? And here in this story about a different spirit, we know that we are, in this modern day, we are, our spirit, the Bible says, the spirit of the man is the candle of the Lord in, uh, in Proverbs. If the spirit of the man is the candle of the Lord, only the Lord can light your spirit. And when Jesus came and he gave us a new spirit on the inside of us, any man who gives faith and trust in Jesus was born into his new spirit, born from above. The Bible says in Titus that we've been regenerated. In other words, our spirit was dead to God, now it's alive in Christ, amen? God can speak into our hearts. But we do know that we have a devil and a flesh to contend with. And our flesh is strong. Our flesh talking about our old man, who we were. I remember just the other day when I was putting this together, and my title is A Different Spirit, and we'll talk about Caleb here in a minute. But isn't that funny how, without us knowing, the enemy can feed your flesh? And I got this little, I can't remember what I was searching or something popped up on my phone. And it was about this, it was about a two, two or three minute clip, and it was about a guy in a courtroom, and the accuser had murdered someone, apparently, I wasn't, I'm not sure. But all you see is the father of, of the murder, murdered child, the father jumps to court and starts bashing this guy. And then the cops jump on him and he just fights everybody. And in that moment, something rose in me. And I was thinking of ways how we can jump and bash that guy in. And I was thinking of ways of punching on with the cops. And all these things started going through my memory and through my flesh. It was like, yeah, I would do the same thing. Who wouldn't? Who wouldn't attack or defend their child who's just been murdered and the guy sitting there? And at the same time, my flesh is, I'm getting like pumped up. I'm, I don't even know if the story's true. <laughs> and I'm getting, my flesh just wants to get involved. And then the spirit rose up inside me. It was just amazing. And all I heard was, you know, the story's true. What about love, mercy, and grace? What about forgiveness? What about blessing your enemies? All these things start flooding to me. And I thought, I've allowed a two-minute video to arouse my flesh in violence which is my old nature, my fleshly nature, and it was feeding my flesh so quickly. But guess what? I fed my spirit enough to know that what that was doing was wrong. Because I didn't know if the story was true or not. I just got, man, that's, that's what I would do. And we got to understand that the world was trying to take from us what God's already put in us. The world, and when I say about the world, I'm talking about the spirit of this world. If you haven't watched TV lately, which I don't, you'll know what I'm talking about. 
some of the ludicrous, some of the dumbest things I've ever heard on TV, and people are clapping, yeah, that's great, fantastic, I'm going. But our spirit man is who we really are. That's why Jesus came. The Bible says that Adam sinned, and his spirit, he, 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 he was a spirit with a soul that lived in a body. We are a spirit with a soul that lives in a body. And the minute Adam sinned, he covered himself, and then sin entered, and through, through man, one man's sin, sin reigned through all humanity. But when Jesus came, the sinless one took on Adam's body, went to the cross and killed Adam, and killed the species of Adam, so we could be born of God. Amen? Amen? That's all in the Spirit. And here in Numbers 14, 20, we're going to read a story. So now, we spoke about Moses knowing the ways of God, and the children of Israel seeing the acts of God. But at this point now, they've reached the place where they're going to see the promised land. God's been talking about a land flowing full of milk and honey. God's been talking about a land to these people. I'm going to take you out of slavery, out of Egypt, and take you into this promised land. And now God speaks to Moses and says, pick a man from every tribe, an elder or a leader from every tribe, and send them to the mountain to spy out the land. And they did. Twelve men were chosen, twelve tribes. And they went and they spied out the land. And what they saw is exactly what God promised. A land flowing full of milk and honey. They saw grapes the size of watermelons. Two blokes had to hold a bunch of grapes. They saw barns. They saw a fortified city. They saw, they saw everything that God promised. The land was lush. The land was full. Houses were good. It means God had given them this land by covenant. And he said, this is your land. And they come and 12 men come and spy out the land. But when they come back to Moses, guess what? Instead of them said, we can't take this land. They said, nah, there's giants in the land. We're like grasshoppers. We can't get this land. No way. But two, and one rose up named Caleb and said, God has given us this land and it's ours. Let's go and take it. Twelve people saw the same thing. Ten came back with a negative report. And we're going to pick it up from here in uh, Numbers 14, 20. It's beat me. Then the Lord said, and I'll explain this, but let me read it, and then I'll explain it. The Lord said, I have pardoned according to your word, for truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord, because all these men who have seen my glory and seen my signs, which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, and have put me to test now these ten times, and have not heeded my voice, they certainly shall not see the land which I swore to their fathers, nor shall any of those who reject me see it, but my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him and has followed me fully. I'll bring him into the land where he went and to his, inherit, to his descendants shall inherit it all. So they've come back. They've complained. They've said, no, nah, we can't take this land. Not only have they complained, because I'm not going to read the whole story. We'll be here all day. And oh, my reading is terrible, so you'd be bored. But they came and they said, we can't take it. He's saying, but God's given us the land. They're like bread in our sight. See, God had taken them through the wilderness and had provided for them every step of the way. There's no water. He gives them water. There's no bread. He gives them bread. There's no meat. He gives them quail. There's an enemy. He kills the enemy. And they complained every single time. And now they're going, no, no, we can't take the land. So what they do, they go back to the camp. And you know what they do? They start up a revival against Moses and Joshua. And they say, 
we better off going back to Egypt. Back to slavery? Because we can't take, they're going to take us to war. And what they said? They said, oh, they're going to take our wives and our children as victims. They're going to kidnap our kids and take our wives. And, and you know what? Let's, let's vote in a new leader and let's go back to Egypt. But Joshua said, no, we can take this land. And God even recognized Joshua, uh, sorry, Caleb. It was Caleb and Joshua, the only two. But Caleb says, we can take this land. He says, he has a different spirit. What is it about our spirit that rises up when we face adversity? See, these guys saw the same thing. Saw giants, saw uh, warriors there, people living there. They saw everything. But sometimes you can get swayed with the facts or the truth. The fact is, I might be sick. The truth is, Jesus has healed me. The fact is, I might be struggling in something. The truth is, Jesus has set me free. See, if I go by what I see, I'm not walking by faith. They were walking about what they saw. They saw giants. They saw, no, nah, they're going to take our wives. They're going to take our children. And Joshua says, hang on. Haven't you learned one lesson in the wilderness? When the Red Sea was there and Pharaoh was coming and God parted the sea. And he, the Bible says the wind pushed the sea back and they crossed. And then they turned back and God closed the sea. Didn't you see when the, the waters were bitter? They, they were... They were thirsty. They got to the river Myrrh, which is the bitter waters. And they're complaining. Moses puts a tree, gets a tree branch and throws it into the water. It represents the cross. Puts the tree into the bitter waters and makes it sweet so they can drink. He means manna from heaven every morning. He sends quails to eat meat. Water out of the rock. And we can go on and on. Every time they whinged and complained, God came to the party. But I guarantee you, these men that saw these giants and saw the promised land, exactly how God described it, said they were the complainers. See, some people complain when there's adversity and some people rejoice when God comes through, amen? You can be a complainer, you can be going through something and where's God in my life? And when he comes through, you think, thank God, that's over. But you can either be like these guys complaining and not rejoicing when God comes through, or you can be like Caleb with a different spirit. I guarantee you, when the seas parted, Caleb rejoiced. When the manna came from heaven, Caleb rejoiced. He didn't see the problem. He saw that God came through in the solution. And sometimes a grateful heart, a heart of thanksgiving, can get you more in the kingdom of God than just complaining and whinging. I said last week, a victim mentality can never be satisfied. You can come out of jail, you can come out of a bad relationship, but you've got the keys to the problem. You keep bringing those keys. A victim mentality has to die. The love of Jesus comes in and restores you. They had a victim mentality. They had a slave mentality. They were out of Egypt, out of slavery, but slavery was still in them. They didn't trust their God. God says here, but haven't I showed them my glory? He says, signs and wonders from Egypt to the desert. Do you know that walk, they reckon, is a six, seven-day walk from Egypt to the promised land? Forty years later, they get in. It was a six or seven-day walk. But to get to the land, they had to go through some cities where there were some, some cities where they were occupied. And the Bible says, at least they see war. In other words, they just come out of slavery. They've been in slavery 430 years. Now they're free. But they can't fight these battles now. So God takes them the long way. Why? So they can worship him in the desert 
get to know their God, trust their God, and know that by the time they get to the promised land, they can walk and take the land. But guess what they did? They complained and murmured. Isn't it like human beings where enough is not enough? Satisfying the flesh is not enough. You can never satisfy a broken spirit. Who can bear? But if your spirit's alive to God, if you spend time with God and in his word, you'll have an opposite spirit. So when problems come your way, just like when I watched that video and I just felt like, don't know what stirred me up about that video, that, you know, I'll, mate, I'm, I don't mind a fight. Let's put it that way, all right? I've had a lot in my, I've had more fights than I had breakfast. That was before Christ. I was going to say before Janet, but that's not true. Before Christ. And I'm not bragging, that's just my life. But something arose in me, but that's the old man. See, here he says, can we go to, can we go to Numbers? And I'm jumping the gun, guys. Numbers 14, 28. I want to show you something. That was quick. Say to them, now this is God replying back to Moses to tell the people, he wanted to wipe them out. So these people reject me. What am I going to do with them? And Moses, please, Lord, don't. Because you took them out of Egypt and you don't want the Egyptians to say that you took them out of Egypt and you never got them to the promised land and you killed them in the land. Moses is having a relationship with God like that. He's interceding for the people. And God says, all right, I won't do it. But what I will do is give them over to what they want. I'll give them over to what they have said that I was supposed to do to them. They had said, God's brought us out here to die. You're going to take our children, take our wives. And look what God says. Say to them, as I live, says the Lord, just as you have spoken in my, in my hearing, so I will do. The carcasses of you who have complained against me shall fall in this wilderness. All of you were numbered according to the entire number of, uh, according to your entire number from 20 years old and above, except for Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun, you shall by no means enter the land which I swore I will make you dwell in. But those little ones whom you said would be victims, I will bring them into the land, and they shall know the land which you have despised. In other words, every person that complained, and every person they went back and gossiped about, you know, I've got, a, I've got something for you here. If you're taking notes, number one, the majority aren't always right. Ten guys out of twelve said said we can't do it, and they went back and they infiltrated millions of people. That night they stirred up the crowd, and I wrote here: Who you fellowship with can determine your future, and can cost you your blessing. Who you spend time with can determine what you believe, and what you can let go of before God. Now I know a lot of people in my life that aren't saved. I know a lot of people in my life that uh, are saved but not walking. I know a lot of people in my life. Family members that don't really believe like I believe. But I fellowship, I don't, they don't influence me, I influence them. But if you've got a circle of friends, let me tell you, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. If you've got a circle of lack of faith, people that are critical, people that don't believe, and you're spending time with them, they could cost you your destiny. Come on, somebody, they can cost you. I have to spend 10 minutes with my old footy mates before I start becoming like them. And I love them. I'm not saying don't, all I'm saying is who you fellowship with can determine your future. God's blessing is through faith. And if I lose faith, 
if I don't walk in his blessing, if I walk in arrogance and I start complaining and start pinpointing, and guess what? I become a critical spirit I can never receive from God. These people were complaining and murmuring. Thank God for Caleb and Joshua, who Caleb had a different spirit about him. They had a victim mentality. Caleb had a mentality of we can conquer. We can, we can take this land. I've seen what God did in the wilderness. You know, some, some of us have to go back to what God done for us in the past. You may be going through some stuff today, but you need to go back and say, he came through before, he's going to come through again, amen? Don't let your disappointments, discouragement, bring you back down to that spot. Have a look at where God's brought you from and say, you know what? God is able, amen? God is able. A different kind of spirit. There was a time where Jesus was preaching in Samaria and they didn't accept his word. And the apostle John, I think it was James, said, you want us to rain fire from heaven and burn everyone up? Jesus says to them, you don't know what spirit you're of. The same John, the beloved who wrote, the one, John the beloved, the one who I'm in love with, God's in love with. The same John that had his head on Jesus' side in the Last Supper. Before that, he wanted to rain fire from heaven and burn everyone because they didn't accept Jesus' word. Because you don't know what spirit you're of. You know what spirit you're of? You know, God says, you complained and whinged 10 times, you tested me. What I just read now, he's saying, every person that said, what you thought I was going to do to you? You thought I'm going to make you die in the wilderness? You said I'm going to take your wives and children? You know what? Because I wanted to get a new leader and go back. He said, you know what? You can have that. He gave them over to what they wanted. He, what they spoke, they got. Be very careful you point your finger at God and complain. I don't believe God's fickle where you say, God, where are you in my life? And No, no, no. But they stirred the crowd now. They want a new leader now. And they went and turned and revolt against everyone. So God says, you're going to have what you want. Judgment's on you because you spoke it, you can have it. Guess what? They ended up all dying. That whole generation died in the wilderness. He goes, but your children that you said were going to die, they're going to inherit the land. You know, sometimes the old has to die before the new comes. Come on, somebody. When I was reading that passage, the old man has to die because there's no inheritance for the old man. Speaks of being saved. Speaks of the old nature has to die so the new nature can rise up and receive what God's got. Are you with me? And they whinged and complained. That whole generation died. And it's sad. It's sad because God says they reject me. Point number two. Don't let your past, don't let your past determine your future. They said here, they're going to take our wives, they're going to take our children. Parents, listen to me. Don't let your fears come upon your children. Don't let what you have struggled with in the past be the struggle of your children. Sometimes we have a fear of what's going to happen based on what's happened to us. But sometimes a fear is a faith, isn't it not? Fear is, well, what's faith? Come on. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is unbelief with something that hasn't really happened yet. But I'm believing that God's going to come through. Amen? Well, fear is something's going to happen, but it hasn't really happened yet, but I'm believing that's going to happen. Job, what Job feared came upon him. Job was doing sacrifices for his children just in case they sinned. That wasn't a faith sacrifice. That was a fear sacrifice. And Job got what he got. Every one of them died because he walked in fear, not in faith. 
What you will sow, you will reap. Jesus says, do not be mocked. What you sow, you will reap. Here, he says, your children, yeah? See, that old generation saw the miracles of God. If there's any time in the Bible, honestly, think about this for a second. God revealed himself throughout every chapter of the Bible. But from the time of Moses releasing his people and every miracle that happened, they saw miracles we haven't seen today. They saw things that still haven't happened today. Yet they saw all these things. God revealed heaven to them. Cloud by day and fire by night and fed them. Their clothes didn't even wear out for 40 years. No one died. God protected them. You see the, the love of God, the grace of God, the salvation of God. You see everything in those, that story. God just poured out, gave us the Ten Commandments, showed them his character, showed them everything. And when they finally get to the promised land, where they're ready to enter into his rest, the Bible says, they wouldn't go in. Hebrews says it this way. Hallelujah. Anyone got Hebrews there? That's the one. For who have, for who having heard rebelled, indeed was it not all who came out of Egypt and led by Moses? Now with whom was he angry for 40 years? It was not with those who sinned, for those corpse fell into the wilderness. And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey? So we see that they could not enter into because of their unbelief. He's speaking about the children of Israel. Because of their unbelief, because of their disobedience. They couldn't, here it says they couldn't enter into his rest. See, in the Old Testament, the, the promised land was a place. Canaan, which is the Jerusalem we see today. That was the promised land. They were supposed to enter into God's rest there. That's where God was going to establish the kingdom of Israel and, and the kingdom of God through the Israeli people. They never entered. The Bible, he says, doesn't enter their rest because of their unbelief. See, that was a place. But now, where our promised land is Jesus. It's a position. That was a place. But you see the picture here. They could not enter into it because of their unbelief. Bible says that we have a peace that passes all understanding. We are meant to be walking into entering into his rest. Why? Our spirit rises up above the flesh. So we come in our opposite spirit. We don't come in the spirit of the world or the spirit of revenge or the spirit of offense or a spirit. We come in the spirit of grace and mercy. Why? The Bible says that God lives in your spirit via the Holy Spirit through faith. But they had unbelief. They couldn't enter his rest. How many people need rest here today? How many people in the last two years have gone through so much what the world's been throwing at us? Fear, intimidation. But we need to understand that we're of a different spirit. God's spirit lives on the inside of us. Amen? It'd be quiet here tonight. Tested him 10 times. Caleb, what was the difference of Caleb? I believe Caleb was a man that the Bible says he had a different spirit and he fully followed me. See, when Jesus said to many people, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. Follow me, follow me. See, it's one thing to believe, another thing is to follow. Are you willing to go to places God takes you 
not knowing what the outcome's going to be. Are you willing to serve God no matter what happens? Or have you got 10 friends around you that tell you that it can't work, that God's not real? I see people every day talk about the Lord. They say, but can God really do that? God is willing and able to do it. Oh, people think, oh, healing is not for today. Okay, stay sick. <laughs> Blessings are not for today. All right, well, don't be blessed. And people come up with me all the time. Oh, we prayed, nothing happened. So your theology is based on your experience. If I was to base my theology on my experience, I would believe in nothing. But I have seen miracles. And I have seen God take people off ice and heroin. And I have seen people restore marriages and take people out of bondage. I've seen it when they said, you're just chemically imbalanced and you just need to go and listen, smell the roses and put a song on and look at the trees waving. And Come on, man. The gospel is greater than that. The gospel changes lives. So I don't hang around. I don't entertain 10 negative people. The gospel is the gospel. Doesn't matter where you believe it or I believe it. This is the truth. Hallelujah. Get the 10 people out of your life that don't believe. Oh, but someone's so done this and someone's so did that. I don't follow people. I follow Jesus. He may be a hypocrite, but Jesus is not a hypocrite. Come on, somebody. I've seen people on deathbeds get out of their bed. I see the people get out of wheelchairs. I want to see it more. And if it doesn't happen, guess what? We go back to God and say, God, your mercy is new every morning. We don't live a dull Christianity or a boring Christianity or religious. The Bible says you receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. My spirit is alive to the things of God, amen? I dare to believe. I dare to get around people that know better have seen more than me. Why? We went to Brazil. We met a lady who was raised from the dead. We met her. We heard the story. Well, one story. Story is good, but when you actually meet her, and she's sitting in front of us in the same house, showed us the same bed, showed us the same thing that happened. But the sad thing was, she had a miracle of all miracles, and her life is the same back then as it is now. Because she never gave value to what God gave her. These people never gave value to God. You know, Caleb means, if you look it up in the Hebrew, it means faithful. It also means he is bold and trustworthy. But the word Caleb, too, in, in, in the Hebrew and the Arabic means dog. Caleb. <laughs> Am I sweating too much? It's hot in here, man. They've turned the AC off again on me. It means dog. Who, who has dogs here? And you throw something to a dog and try and get it back off. And they want it. They, and the harder you pull, the more there. Well, Caleb was like that. When he saw that promised land, you know when Caleb entered that promised land, all that generation died 40 years later. 39, 40 years later, he entered. He saw it. He never lost the vision of it. Even when they went through the wilderness and everyone else died, he entered the promised land at an 85, 89-year-old man and said, I'm as strong today as I was back then because I saw the land that God gave me and I've kept that vision in my heart. I haven't let no one steal off. He's like a dog. He wouldn't let go of that promise. And he got what he, God promised him. He's faithful. And it's interesting to know that Caleb means faithful. But also Joshua, him and Joshua got into that promised land. Joshua, when God gave him the leadership, Joshua, what, what does Joshua mean? Savior. 
Who entered? Faith in the Savior. Joshua entered it three days to get into the promised land. What did Jesus do? Three days and three nights. Destroyed the works of the enemy when he died. Joshua walked into the promised land three days. Who went with him? Faith. Faith and a Savior entered through the promised land. It's all by faith through the finished work of the cross. Caleb had a different spirit about him. This is an Old Testament believer, guys. He's not even born again yet. He hasn't got the spirit of Christ in him yet. He hasn't, the blood hasn't washed him yet. Yet God called him out and says, he has a different spirit. We need to have a different spirit. When someone comes to us as believers, what comes out of your mouth? Is it the 10 spies and go on and pollute everyone? Or is it Caleb and Joshua? We can do this. Let's pray. We can do this. No matter what you've done, do you know that the blood of Jesus washes it and makes it clean? Do we point the finger or do we lift them up and say, you know, brother, I've been where you're at. Allow the Holy Spirit to move through your life. There's no power in us. We've got no power to lay hands and do nothing. But God, through us, can do many miracles. Where his hands and where his feet. I encourage you today. Don't let the ten spies, don't let negative thoughts, don't let the enemy, don't let your flesh rob you of the blessing that God's got before you. You might have grown up in a family you had nothing. You've done a lot of work with people that come out of dysfunctional families. Just to sit down and have dinner is just a miracle for them. They never did that. And yet God restores them. They don't see any different than what they know. Poverty is poverty. That's it. That's all they know. Victim mentality, victim. That's all they know. We'll never get anywhere. This is not my family. But when Christ comes in you, he changes that. He can break the curse off you. And your future and your kid's future can be great. You don't have to let them miss out because of your past. You know, these people that complain, God said, you're not going to get in, but your children are going to get in. The Bible says train the child in the way they should go when they older and depart. Your job, my job is to train the child in the way they should go. But when they get old, that word will never return void. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Don't let the devil rob us of our blessing. Third point and final point. Your spirit can enter his rest if you feed it. It's pretty simple. Whatever you feed will get stronger. If all I'm doing is feeding my flesh, feeding my soul, and then one day, oh, I want to start praying now. Or am I feeding my spirit? Let's be honest. How much time do you spend in the Lord? Reading his Bible or meditating on his word or worshiping him? How much, do, of, how much of God's presence have you fed your spirit with? You know, what you feed will become stronger. Who you fellowship with will grow. You see, the promised land was theirs. It was always theirs. God says, haven't I given you this land? There might be a fight to get it, but I've given it to you. We don't want to be a people with, oh, God said it. I'm just going to sit back and wait. No, no, no. God will give you instructions to possess your promise. Someone said to me once, oh, he got saved. He was a young guy. And, you know, he got radically saved. He was a drug addict. One touch of the Holy Spirit. One touch of the Holy Spirit was a glorious time. I was seeing a guy transform from a dead set heathen to a guy that just wanted to go to church every day. But he was immature. 
And he read the promises of God. He said, God's going to give it to me by grace. Okay, yeah, he does. By faith, I'm going to. He said, well, what are you going to do for work? I'm not working. I go, why not? He said, what would I work? God's giving me everything. I said, bro, 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 come in. Couldn't get through to him. And six months later, he's cursing God because he's got no money. He's got no job. I said, mate, you sat at home and said, God's going to give me everything. And did you give God any opportunity to bless you? He goes, what do you mean? He goes, you took everything out of context. Now, I get you. You're young and you're excited. But he thought because he come out of drugs and never touched drugs again. And he was clean. He never touched it for six months. The urge of taking drugs left him. The guy just changed. But he thought, oh, it's by grace. I sit there by faith, put my feet up, and God's going to bless me. No, mate. It doesn't work like that. Six months later, he was back in the world. Unteachable. Sad, broke my heart because he has so much potential. He just had to get in line with God, hear from God, go learn something, read, you know, take a course, do something. You know, if someone gave you, we offered him jobs laboring, he would, I want to labor. Just start somewhere. Don't let false doctrine, don't let, you know, don't, don't confuse God's grace. God's grace isn't a cover-up for sin. It's not a magic wand we lure. God's grace is the empowerment for you to conquer where you want you to conquer. You might start here, but you'll end up here. Why? Because he loves you. The promised land was for all of Egypt, all of the people in slavery of Egypt. God came through, but they wanted to do it their way. And they let their fears get in the way. And they let the obstacles and didn't allow faith to rise up on the inside of them. And they all died in the wilderness. And it's a sad place that you end up living your whole life as a believer. And your life is no different than the guy next door. Sad. Because God's called us to greatness. I'm not talking about fancy cars and big houses. I'm talking about a place where you are the light of this world. That you are the salt of this earth. That you can stand firm in what Christ has done for you. That you can come up with solutions to people's problems. Why? You're not the one that brings the solutions, but you can give them Jesus who brings that solution. Come on, somebody. You get around, the Bible says when two or three are gathered, is he in the midst or is there confusion in the midst? <laughs> well, I met a lot of Christians, bro. I'd rather, walk, I'd rather hang out with heathens. I swear to God. There's more honesty in thieves sometimes. <laughs> I swear. Don't tell me what you know. Show me what you know. I've been saving the Lord 20 years now. Has it been easy? No way. Have I done everything right? No chance. But I can honestly tell you, I love him more today than I did 20 years ago. And if he stays in, if you stay in his presence, guys, if you understand who he is to you, how much you need him more than life, you need him more than the air you breathe. You can't conquer nothing without him. God hasn't lost control. God's waiting for his church to rise up, to be the light. The Bible says the, the, the earth travails and groans. It's like a pregnant woman waiting for the sons of God to be revealed. I can point out faults on everything. But are you the solution? You come in a different spirit. What spirit do you come out of? Or have you accepted your fate? Have you said, well, this is what God's got for me. I'll just accept it. You know, we used to hear this a lot growing up. If someone's sick, oh, that's your cross, just take it. No, it's not. That's a lie from the pit of hell. The cross of Calvary redeemed me from that sickness. How can that be my cross? The cross, what happens on a cross, people? People die. 
When he says take up your cross, he means die to yourself so I can live in you. I'm not walking around with sickness. Like this is my sickness. I got to, you know, this is rubbish. Then why did Jesus come? Do people get sick? Yeah. Do people die? Yeah. But that's not why he's a, the cross. The Bible says that he took our sickness and our infirmities. And by his wounds, we are healed. Stop believing the lie. You might have giants in your life, but you have to get serious with God. You have to understand and say, Lord, I want this to change. And trust me, the fastest prayer God prays and answers is the one that's about yourself. Lord, I want to change and he'll come straight away. Oh, God's dealing with me. How long? 20 years. Don't walk around the mountain. Too many of us go around the mountain. Go around the mountain. Go around the mountain. And unfortunately, no one possesses the promise, which is the rest of God. The peace of God that passes all understanding. I can give you money to save you. You're broke. I'll give you some money. You're hungry. I'll give you food. But that's not rest. That's just a five-minute fix. But when the peace of God comes inside you, no one can steal that from you. Can we stand? I'll go back through my three points quickly. First point was who you fellowship with can determine your future. The second point was don't let your past determine your future. Don't hold back your children or your or people around you of what you've been through. You've been through it. Let the victim die. And let Christ reign in you. And my third point was, your spirit can enter his rest if you feed it. If you feed your spirit with the word of God, listen to me. Look at the word of God. Listen to me. Look at the word of God from the inside out. Don't come from the outside in. I can make that word say anything I want if I want to. That's how cults start. I can, take, I can get my preconceived idea, my, my world view, and I can come and say, look what the Bible says, and I can twist Scripture. But if you give permission to the Holy Spirit, if you open up your word and say, Holy Spirit, teach me, and you go in with a blank mind and let him feed you, I'm telling you, it'll go straight to your spirit, and it'll ignite you, and it'll restore your soul. Come on, somebody. God is not a genie in a bottle. He's a wonderful saviour, almighty God. We have to show him that honour and that respect. I want you to remember the last time God touched your life. What, what, what trauma, what, what problem, what situation were you in when God showed up? I want you to go back to that moment and say, Lord, I rejoice in what you did. Because guarantee you there'll be another problem tomorrow. And we can either complain about every problem or we can rejoice that Christ is in the problem. See, too many people are praying to God about their problems. I never pray to God about my problems. I'm never, I've stopped praying to God about my problems. I don't come to God with a problem. I go to God with my problem and say, problem, my God is bigger than you. I don't go look at the giants and say, I'm a grasshopper. I say, giant, my God is bigger than you. 
the difference between Caleb and Joshua and the other 10, they saw the problem. They saw the giants. They saw the, the issues. And they said, this is too big for us. Yes, it is. But while I am weak, he is strong. So if I go to my problems and say, problem, look how big my God is. The poverty, Jesus took my poverty. Sickness, Jesus healed me. Sin, have no more dominion because Christ lives in me, the hope of glory. Don't talk to your problem. To God about your problem. Talk to your problem about God. But do you know him like that? How do you know your God? Just Savior, praise God. God, there's so much more to God. It's so much more than just forgiving us from a dirty, rotten sin and getting us to heaven. He says, the kingdom of God is within you. I've established the kingdom within you. I give you my spirit to teach you. But if we complain, because complain turns into, and we've all done it, but complain turns into murmuring, turns into pointing the finger, turns into criticism, turns into disobedience, turns into unbelief, then I'm derailed. It doesn't just start with a seed. But I've got a problem here. Lord, I don't know what to do, but I know you're the conqueror. I know what to do, but you went to the cross for me. I don't know what to do, but Father, I'm going to bring this before you and I'm going to wait on you and whatever it takes, no longer how it takes. Oh, there's no rules and regular. Father, I'm going to sit in your presence and you're going to guide me through this situation. Because that's what he told us to do. I don't know the scripture, but it says, he who waits upon the Lord will renew his strength. Waiting isn't just waiting for a bus. Waiting upon the Lord is knowing what he's going to do and surrendering it to him and resting in him until it comes to completion. When we understand how good God is, how loving God is, don't let your words, don't let your bitterness, don't let your victim mentality derail you from your blessing. It's not like God doesn't want to bless you. But you can't get something if you don't get it by faith. Whatever you can force is not faith. But when I believe by faith on how good he is, how merciful he is, and he gave us a land flowing with milk and honey. How much more now? He gave us Jesus. Though he did not withhold anything, he gave us his best. His name is Jesus. Come on, somebody. He gave us Jesus. Any man put his faith and trust in him, he will never put you to shame. This is the message to stir up something in you that just plodding along, just saying, I believe, but not following fully. The Bible says that Jacob, he, he had a different spirit and he followed me fully. In other words, he gave everything to me. And no matter what, he was willing to go. I pray we have a Caleb spirit, a faithful spirit. God has given you a promise. God's given me a promise when I first got saved and I still haven't seen it. And I'm believing for it to the day I die. Why? Because God gave it and he's faithful. And I pray if I don't see it, my sons will see it. But I know in something that God is faithful. I want to be like Caleb. No matter what happens, a lot of the times we get a promise from God and we put our own little way on it. And this is how we're going to do it. And we find out, realize later, hang on, I've tried to help God along here. Come back to the Lord. Lord, you are my master. I've already entered into his rest because of Jesus. I'm in his rest. Because you know what he'll do? He'll teach me how to pray. He'll teach me what to say. He'll help me through every situation. But God will not be mocked. He will only reap what you sow. So sowed 
going to die. God hates us. Let's get a new leader. Guess what happened? Have it. But I'm going to get your children through. Old generation passed away. The old man has to die. Our old way of thinking has to die. What we come out of, what has happened to us has to die. So the new man can rise up. That's renewed in Christ every day. So Father, I thank you for tonight. That you are our promised land. That we don't come out of victimhood. We don't come out of slavery. We don't live in that place, Lord, but we come out of a place that we know that we've been blessed. We've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. We have been saved by the cross of Calvary. That no weapon formed against us shall prosper. And every tongue that rises against us we condemn. For we are the heritage of the Lord. For on that cross, Lord, that you who knew no sin, that you became sin, that we could become the righteousness of God. You said curse to anyone who hangs on a tree. Jesus, you hung on a tree, you broke every curse. You said that while you were rich, you became poor and took on poverty, that we could become rich. Father, poverty is broken. That by your stripes we are healed. That you put the crown of thorns on your head, that you crucified the carnal mind. The curse that was on the ground, the thorns that are on the ground. He took them off and he put it on his head. He cursed the carnal man, the carnal mind, so we could have the mind of Christ. There is nothing that Jesus has not left. There's nothing that Jesus has to still do. Jesus is serving us so we could serve him. Jesus' spirit is on in the inside of us. So, Father, I thank you for today. Thank you that we have a spirit like Caleb, a faith like Caleb, that in every moment we can rejoice. No matter what the enemy throws at us, no matter what life throws at us, no matter what sin we've committed, we can always come back to you because of the sprinkling of the blood. And we can say, thank you, Father. Abba, Father. We thank you, Father, that we no longer call you, you don't longer call us slaves, but you call us sons. You call us, not sons just in male, but sonship, which is a position. Children of God. Bought at a price. If you don't know Jesus tonight, and you've never made that commitment, or you've made a commitment, but you've never, you've never really surrendered your life to Jesus. The Bible says, today is the day of your salvation. He stands at the door and he knocks on your heart. You might have been brought up in a church, you might have been, you know, grew up in religion, but I'm telling you today, religion does not save you. Christ saves you. Are you, have you got faith in the blood of Jesus? You understand what he did at the cross. The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord and only Jesus can light it. So I pray, Father, that for those who don't know you in a personal way, may they know you. The Bible says, whoever believes in his heart that Jesus is the Son of God and confesses from his mouth that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. I thank you, Father. I ask you to bless everyone in this room, Lord. That their spirits come alive to your spirit. That the deep call on the deep. Let them be blessed today. So that they enter your rest. God is faithful. God is good. I thank you, Father. A wonderful Savior. I pray, Father, that 
Let the peace of God pour in everyone's heart. Let the love of the Father fall upon my brothers and sisters that they may know you are the true God and Jesus Christ you have sent. I thank you, Lord. I give you all the honour and all the praise. We pray this prayer in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen.